0: This is the Westside King's Church podcast, where we aim to encounter and embody the surprising
1: grace of Jesus.
0: Well, hi, everyone. Uh, It's David here with Kristen. Uh, So welcome, Kristen. Uh, uh, We are still, I think it's week four now of the ACT series. Seems right. We're in chapter four, so we're (laughs) kind of roughly working at about a chapter a week, although that's not kind of intentional. It's how it's currently working out. Uh, And on uh, Sunday there, we talked about... Ananias and Sapphira well not just Ananias and Sapphira this famous passage from Acts 4 and 32 where everyone's sharing everything together Mm -hmm. and the, they have, uh, I think the text says that they were one in heart and mind, which yeah. again, um, I was talking with Phil Odd a few weeks ago, and he was saying that Chris Green says that's the most unbelievable part of of Acts. it you know? is true. You just have to look at Twitter, I feel, <laughs> yes. nowadays, and think that that
1: is just absolutely impossible.
0: Yeah, it's true. I'm, I'm okay with the idea of people who can't walk being yeah. healed, but the idea that everybody was in agreement and shared... <laughs> And then, of course, this text actually points out how quickly that was this, you know, the dream of the story. But, you know, then you get this kind of really complex story with Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah, and and uh, terrifying. Yes. Yes. It was a little bit scary. A little bit scary. I was thinking that as we were sort of teaching. Yeah.
1: So on that, David, um, we've been asking the question each week, uh, you know, around whoever was preaching the sermon. What is it that you left out that you wanted to say? Anything mm-hmm. that you thought, oh, OK, this is just going to unfold into a you know, a saga, <laughs> anything that you want to cover that you didn't get to, <laughs> to unpack? Uh, there's so many things. <laughs> I
0: I find, I'm, I, I, maybe I should just begin with a confession that this X series is frustrating me no end as, as a preacher because I, I quite literally every week think I'm going to be short this week. I'm not going to go on too long. <laughs> and I head up to, you know, I've been preaching for a lot of years now, but yeah, I'm finding myself getting caught up into this, into this kind of whole story of Acts and getting done to service and going up ah, just as long as ever. So I just, I want people to know that my intention is to get you out earlier into the sunshine. I'm just failing at it miserably. Um, so I think things that, that strike me about this story, things that, I, I feel like I, I managed to make passing allusion to most of the things that I wanted to talk about. And that's maybe why the sermon was so, was so long that I, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't give my edited I didn't <laughs> edit it properly. I just said everything faster. Um, I, I am, I was really interested in the authenticity of the story. Mm. I, I think, I think that the story of Ananias and Sapphira is, is complex. Um, I, I liked you know, to work backwards, I, I liked Jennings' take on it. And like you and I have talked a few times about how uh, the problem with Jennings' commentary is that you only quote the bits that you really like in it. Yeah. So there's bits that you disagree with in it, but you don't quote them. So it appears that you're saying, oh, everything in this commentary is amazing. But there's some moments in it where I'm like, I'm not sure. I see where you're going on that in the text. But what I did like in his reflections on the Ananias and Sapphire story was that they the apostles don't take this death into their own hands. Yes, and, and he has this phrase where he says, uh, "There will be no stoning in the community of Christ. Only the Holy Spirit may draw back the breath of life." A line has been drawn that followers of Jesus may not cross over. We are the people of resurrection, not of death. I, I thought that's a that's a really interesting uh, position for Jennings to take. Um, yeah, particularly when, and I don't. Maybe out of sheer cowardice, I don't really want to get into the conversation just now. But but you, you can you can argue that one with me. But particularly think, since the question of death is in the news this week, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with rule changes in the U.S. that are going to have huge impact on Canada, I think even. Yeah. I think there's deep reflection that needs to be taken as Jesus followers about about all of these sort of things. So I, I, I quite I, I found a lot of resonance in. Uh, and, and please don't don't hear what I'm not saying. But I I found this challenge of our our speed towards violence. Yeah. Right? Um. And now as I kind of sink into the quagmire myself that I said I wouldn't go, down, <laughs> um, let me just sort of what, perhaps what I'm trying to wrestle with is why is it that we the church are so opposed to violence and death in certain categories? Yeah. But not in other categories, so without passing comments on what I think about abortion law in the states or anything yeah. like that, to me, it's our inconsistency that I find troubling why Why are we so opposed to one form of killing but not other forms of killing Yes, and it's what I liked about what Jennings is doing is saying maybe the Holy Spirit's asking us to consider just life and death in general,
1: yeah. Well, you sure unpacked. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just okay. Just, we this jumping. is why I didn't put this in the sermon. <laughs> we're just jumping straight in. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think um, to understand the way God's working in the world, but then mm-hmm. we have such like we have human um, kind of reactions and 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 you know actions mm. you know towards making rules against you know certain forms of violence but then not others like i think mm. it was in the same week with the abortion laws then mm. you know there were gun laws mm-hmm. that were um they were not passed right yes. and so yeah. it's you know we find violence so abhorrent in in one regard and then the other it's all about our our mm. rights and, and yeah. it, it, it is it doesn't seem to make any sense mm-hmm. um like you it's something that i really got from This story, as well, was this idea that this was the work of the Holy Spirit, Mm. and that the Holy Spirit is the life force Mm. in this story, and the resistance of kind of going to the old order of Mm -hmm. things, right? Controlling things by violence. they can clearly see what God is doing in their community. They can Mm -hmm. see how the Holy Spirit is working. They're all participating with it and moving towards it. And then you have these people who are objecting to it Mm -hmm. and they refuse to sort of go back to that old order of Mm -hmm. things and impose Mm -hmm. their own violence, even if it means at at the end, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even if they could imagine that the ends justify the means Mm, right they mm. just refuse to kind of step into that and allow the holy spirit to work
0: yeah and and i think that at some level that is the challenge of acts is how free are we to let the holy spirit act Mm. and how quickly we start to pursue our own agenda uh, on and where that fits it's interesting in in my, my, the other podcast that I run with John Andrews, we've been talking about a similar sort of subject, and and we, John was talking just the other day there about how the Holy Spirit can always be made subservient to our own agenda, mm-hmm. and, and that we can then try and badge our agenda as the work of the Holy Spirit, but really it's just us doing what we want, yeah. trying to blame it off as... as, as the work of God. Um, and, I, and I think that's, that's why this issue of violence becomes so interesting, yeah. that God is either against death or for death. What we seem to have ended up with in, in our society is that God is in support of some deaths yes. <laughs> and some types of death.
1: And that we get to decide what yes. that is yes, all individually, absolutely. right? There's that yeah. one heart, one mind. Yeah. Well, you go on Twitter now, you've got everybody's everywhere there's yes. millions of different hearts and minds yes. and yes. we all think that we own yeah. the rights to what the holy spirit is yes. doing
0: and 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 an intra christian debate as well yes. so you 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 notice in the in the the kind of media I wanted to say social media, but I increasingly realized that the one thing that's true about social media is not social. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the you know in, in, in various points of the media, the lines are being drawn between Christian groups mm-hmm. to argue within each other about a variety of different views. So yes, definitely not at one in heart and mind. And, and, and that's, again, another part of the story that I made allusion to, but I think needs deeper reflection, is this question about... The authenticity of the story. The the, the, the story is an ugly story, right? Mm. So it's like we were one in heart and mind. But in the very next story, like you think about how we normally tell stories, it's one in heart and mind. You know, here's an example of that happening. Here's another example of that happening. Look how happy everybody is. The mm. end, right? But you get, they were one in heart and mind. And then you get, oh, and Barnabas sold some land and donated it to the church in its entirety because he wanted to share everything that he had to help the needy. Mm-hmm. And then the next story is, oh, and there was this other couple called Ananias and Sapphira. They wanted to be part of the community, but didn't want to share everything they had. And then you get this kind of messy sort of story. And I found myself reflecting on, on this quote from Diane Langberg. Um, and she was talking about leadership. She does a lot of work within sort of field of um, you know abuse within the church. Would yeah. they think that would be a fair and abuse yeah. of power uh, and, and the likes? And she said this, we do not want to see the truth about abusive leaders because it threatens our beliefs that the leader is good, that the system has a good purpose. Tragically, we would rather believe a reassuring lie than an utterly inconvenient and disturbing truth. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I found myself kind of seeing that story as to how, you know, here's the story, here's the dream. They were one in heart and mind. But then very quickly, that's not the case. But Luke and Peter don't cover that up. Yeah. They actually choose. And I think there's a choice there. That Acts doesn't unpack. It just tells it yeah. that actually we are not going to hide the fact that this idyllic community had huge yeah. problems. And we're not going to cover over the, the people who want to appear like they're participating in the community, but are not really participating in the community. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like you could probably commit a whole series of podcasts to that. But I felt like there was depth in that for us to think about.
1: Yeah, I think that is really profound because you would think that you would want to cover that up. Mm. You're like, no, 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 we were all good. We were all on yeah, the same went page. Great, yeah. You know, I feel like that's a lot of the times you talk about sort of this idea of success and the mm. face that we put out there. And I think mm. that that's part of that, right? We want to seem you know, well, we're all, we're all together on this. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's no nuance to work out. There's no yeah. intricacies to work out because that would, you know, as they would say, you know, that would harm our witness. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then we're trying to, I've lately, I've been really thinking about this a lot, like just continuing to try to cover what God is trying to reveal. And I mm-hmm. love how that, what you're saying here is exactly that where they're not trying to cover. Yes. Right. Yeah. God is revealing something, something that's happening. Yes. There's this You know the situation that's happened with this this couple and it you know it's mind-boggling but um they don't try to cover it and i think so often um god is trying to work and do Mm -hmm. things in the community and in order to appear more successful, in mm-hmm. order to, what you said yesterday, save face. Yes. We consistently try to cover what God is doing. <laughs>
0: totally. And, and you know, now, to be fair, I, I, it strikes me that Peter didn't have to worry about, like, legal cases sure. and, and so on. <laughs> um, and it does get very confusing, you know, as, as you watch these sort of very messy situations be... Be navigated. And so you know, the ancient world offers them some <laughs> reprieve from these things. But but I think you're you're absolutely right. And I think there's a model there. If we're able to take this story and not get and I say this like, you know, respectfully, but not get tied up in the how did these people die? What do we think of this? How does this work? You know, and lean into the purpose so often of biblical narrative, which is to, which is to script out how things go and say, actually, this might be one of the key points. How do we deal with brokenness when the brokenness has the capacity to harm? Mm. How do we, uh, and I think what we've done And again everything I need to be I I say Mm -hmm. seems to need to be cautioned and and don't hear what I'm not saying but there definitely has been a tendency within the church to protect the powerful Mm -hmm. um, at the expense of the weak Uh, and we're seeing this at churches across North America at the moment that it's coming out that decisions were made by a whole variety of people Mm -hmm. in different places to to say well we're willing to turn a blind eye because that person's influential that person's famous That person's significant within this community or a wider field. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we'll we'll protect that person. Because, hey, at the bottom of the day, what does it matter if the needy are a little bit needier for longer? If we think about it in the Acts 5 context. But Peter seems to be saying, no, no, no. Actually, in order to protect the vulnerable, you're not going to be part of this community pretending like you are when you're not really. Mm -hmm. Pretending like you've sacrificed for these people that need your help, but you've not really done that. I, I think it's, I mean, it's a terrifying thing to think about how that how that works its way out and and, and what our world of the church might be like if if we'd committed to that years ago. Yeah. Right? I think about, you know, we're talking about things that are a matter of public record, but, you know, you read the stories about, you know, like Willow Creek Church in, in, in North America, and I don't really want to join a kind of name and shame process, mm-hmm. but these are stories that came out, you know, in the last four or five years, but that happened like 15 plus yeah. years ago so there's been a, a, a covering over whereas what acts shows us is this this intention to deal very quickly with protecting the right and challenging the wrong uh, and and I think I don't want to get lost in this today, Kristen, but I think there's something profound for us to learn in that. That may even be good for the wrongdoer. Right. Yeah. Admittedly Ananias and Sapphira died, right? Yes. But <laughs> but actually you're you're not doing anyone any favors of letting them survive 15 years before we then decide to deal with this. Actually, when we cover over, we do a multitude yeah. of harms to everyone.
1: Yeah. If we understand that what God is doing is liberating us all. And, mm. and God is liberating mm. people who are oppressors too. Yes. People who are doing wrong to others as well, because mm. there's a whole bunch of dysfunction with that's mm. layered into that yes. as well. And, it, you know you know, if we're going to believe in liberation, I think it's complete liberation mm-hmm. for, for every person yes. that.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think Stanley Hauerwas says that in one of his works somewhere where he talks about how, uh, you know, the gospel is good news, even for our enemies. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that they don't have to be like that anymore. Yeah. There, there's an option to be, to be different. Um, it's interesting. I was talking with, normally when I have conversations, uh, after church services i i keep them all anonymous but i'll i'll, I'll name my source in this one but okay. uh, aj uh, and i were talking aj is going to be preaching on this mm-hmm. series in, in next month so i, so I can kind of name him early but he and i were talking after the service about um Acts, uh, this story in Acts 5 versus the, the whole language in 1 Corinthians uh, 5 about what to do when when people are even being ejected from community, mm-hmm. and how actually if you if you see what's going on in Acts 5, exactly as you've talked about it just there, that it is good news for everyone, even yeah. for the the person in the wrong, that they can be liberated from that wrongdoing. That seems to be the right lens to take to 1 Corinthians 5, when Paul talks about excluding people from the community but if you look closely the people that paul's talking about are people that are refusing to be part of the culture of the community but still want to be present and that what paul seems to be counseling is we need to draw to people's attention. This behavior is, is excluding you. It's not us that's excluding you. Your behavior, your insistence on being here and hurting people is actually proving that you're not really here. Yeah. And so the worst thing that we can do is pretend that that's okay. Yeah. Like the worst thing you can do to somebody who is abusing people is pretend that that behavior, well, we're willing to take time and work that through. Yeah. What Paul seems to be saying in First Corinthians 5 is, no, we want you to be part of this community, But that hurtful and harmful behavior isn't good for anybody.
1: Yeah, which would be that sort of that fuzzy, those fuzzy lines that we've talked about before where people, you know, when we think of a center set model, Mm. right, people Mm. will tend to maybe default to that kind of thinking as Mm. a way to justify not being center set. Well, it's because it allows this or because any kind of behavior goes. But what you're saying is, you know, that isn't what center set.
0: No, absolutely. There is a... There is a realization needed that there are behaviors that can happen within community. I think which are harmful, mm-hmm. and uh, and the solution to harmful behavior isn't always patience. Yeah, you know, like it, there's there's certain types of behaviors I think very much you want to be superly patient with, mm-hmm. uh, but when people are doing harm to each other,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, then and, and then I think this is what you see in in early in Acts is this incredible welcome of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is also requiring care for the needy and care for the vulnerable and and, and a oneness and togetherness. So, yeah. so I found that. I mean, that you know, this conversation we've just had probably suggests why it didn't fully get unpacked in the sermon <laughs> because there's a lot, there's there's a lot to that. But, but I think that 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 notion of Ananias and Sapphira wanting to participate in the prestige and the status of being of being influential members of the community, but without really wanting to be committed to the community uh, unveils quite a lot for us to think and talk Mm -hmm. about.
1: Yeah. So I have something to throw in here about, um, so we had a question yesterday um, Mm -hmm. about this idea of using the word poor Mm. versus the Word needy and i just so happened to be reading jennings (laughs) commentary (laughs) last night and i found this quote in it which i thought was quite interesting a radical new order in the holy work of giving where possessions where possessions are broken of their boundary making power and people are drawn toward one another in and through mutual interlocking needs Mm. what i found so interesting about that is it doesn't really speak to the elimination of needs like are we really is really the ideal as a community that we don't need anything from anybody. Mm, mm. Is that really what we're after is that we're all just individuals who don't require anything from anyone. And so we've eliminated need Mm. so we could just all be isolated and on our own. Mm. And in order to have a community, you almost have to have need. Now what we're not talking about, and I think what Jennings is saying here, this, you know, there are needs that, you know, create boundaries and draw lines. Mm um but is there a way to have needs in a community that are really healthy and in order to be a community you would have to have need for one Mm. another
0: Mm. i love that i I love that And, and i i can almost hear a sense of the warning against pursuing utopia yeah the kingdom of god is not necessarily trying to uh trying to develop a utopia of of no needs. Yeah. if you think about th- there's always a sort of deeper space to go in the text you i was thinking as you were saying that about like isaiah's vision of new creation there's still building and farming yeah. happening in this new creation vision people are building houses and they're uh, they're they're planting fields uh, and so there's still need yeah we still need to do things. Yeah. We still need to 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 have things in new creation, but they're they're shared equitably. So yeah. you know, in Isaiah's vision, is that you build houses, but you live in it, right? So you're not building to make someone else wealthy, and you're also not homeless. But there's still work to be done. Uh, which also, then, uh, you, again, the other thing that came to mind as you were saying that is the language in Galatians six, but bearing one another's burdens. Right. That, that we, that it's not that you know, let's get rid of all burdens. It's let's carry those burdens together. Yeah. And, and I guess yeah, so that's what kind of came to mind as you were saying that just there. I, I would resonate with that.
1: Yeah, and how there, I you know, I think there is a difference between poor and needy, perhaps mm. when we think about it in this mm. context, because I think poor... Um, I mean, we could, we could probably go down a whole rabbit trail, but maybe mm. there's a way to think about it in terms of you know somebody who's vulnerable, somebody mm. who's been abused, somebody who goes without versus um, somebody who finds their needs met within community mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the distinction between those two. Yeah, when the, when the question
0: was being asked yesterday, I found myself thinking and been drawn into thinking about all the places that we have need that are not financial, mm. um, but the, that we would think that a, a church committee to commonality would be able to to deal with, and and you can see this in the early church happening, where they are leaning into each other, each bring. You see, Paul talks about this in 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 uh, First Thessalonians, where, where he talks about you know like doing the work of our hands and, and and investing in what we've been given, our gifts and our skills to to help the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when I was thinking yesterday about how you you can perceive a community where everybody has enough money but that wouldn't eradicate all of our needs yeah. uh, there'd be so many needs that, that and a few conversations i had after the services that really really encouraged me was was Westsiders trying to think through well, what, what could i do for this community how could i serve my neighbor in this community yeah. better so that actually we could find each other and and, and the conversations ranged from you no plumbers and psychologists, mm-hmm. right? But but needs come in so many different ways and, and forms. Uh, and so I I like the idea of pushing that beyond simply poor because money. the economic yeah. shaping of that can become destructive as well. Yeah. That, that we therefore assume that the solution to being poor is to have more money. Mm-hmm. But again, even Jesus speaks about the danger of thinking that particular way. So I, I love the observation in that question that we took yesterday about... I feel like there's more depth to neediness than than just than just finance.
1: Yeah. So leaning into a bit of, um, you know, what I'm going to be talking about this Mm. next week. Yes, because it Um,
0: follows into each other yeah it does the there story. was we, yeah. we discovered
1: there was quite a bit of overlap yes. I discovered it when you like said on stage yesterday um like the, the primary thing what I had centered my
0: yes. <laughs> my sermon around yes, and then you that. said
1: and then you said it and I had to like actually stop myself from going no, <laughs> <laughs> no just <kidding.
0: laughs> yeah. and, and so this was this thing about uh, this question around about uh, being rather than yeah. than, than doing uh, and, what, and what sort of led me to think about that was around even some of the notions around face work and impression management. Like, what do I need to do in order to be treated in a particular way? Uh, and, and it struck me how even as a church community, as I talk more and more with people in the community, our solution to everything is always to do more mm-hmm. and not always to, to think about our being. And I feel that. What can I do? What can I do that will help with this? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm seeing in, in a lot of places that I'm reading and reflecting and contemplating in at the minute that one of the most important almost spiritual disciplines is thinking about about being mm-hmm. um but this was sort of something that came to me as I, you know writing a sermon is a strange process mm-hmm. and you find yourself starting the sermon thinking you know what you're going to say yeah. but I think the good sort of moments of study are, is when the sermon takes you down a line different from yes. your own original agenda uh but because you know, there is always that problem that you know, that's been happening to somebody else as well. And then, unfortunately, I was first. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but there is a way to lean into sort of that idea and kind mm. of explore it from the perspective of mm. discernment. And, and we understand that. And so we'll unpack that a little bit. Um, but this idea of discernment is the ability to locate and understand God's activity in mm. the world. And what I love about that is that it's not um, an if. mm-hmm. mm-hmm right? It's, yeah. it's not, uh, well, if God's doing something, you know, hope that I can discern what's happening here. Mm. It's the ability to locate what is happening and yes. what God is doing, because there is something happening. God is doing something. Um, and I think it removes us from a little bit of that ownership mm-hmm. and discernment, mm-hmm. like this is mine. And we do get that language a lot, you know, those tests where it's mm. like, well, my gift is discernment. <laughs> yes. <And> like, yes. <laughs> this is something that I own and I'm specifically gifted yeah. for
0: yeah I, th- I think that uh, that question can we encounter god and and if so how mm. I think is a really important one for christians to reflect on uh, am I aware if god wanted to say something to me how would i hear it mm-hmm. right uh, and and I'm, I'm i'm very aware of how ridiculous even a conversation like this can sound within the sort of secular world that we live in yeah um but then there's also a way of, of of taking the notion that God might speak to us and we, that rather that we might encounter God and turning it into uh, and just another form of insanity if yeah. you're, if you're not careful and I, I feel like there's a humility and I think some of the spiritual traditions do guide us in this that the, the patience and the slowing down and the silence and the respecting of of God can sometimes draw us into spaces where we we, we can be led and guided by Mm -hmm. God and that's a kind of core biblical principle that we we kind of I'm not sure if it's that we don't take seriously but rather perhaps that we've seen so badly presented to us we stay away from it
1: well it seems like a really wild notion and it's something that is (laughs) contrary to I think what our society wants us Mm -hmm. To believe in, and again, we'll I'll unpack it a little bit more as we lean into, but it's something to overcome. You know, silence. Mm-hmm. We don't like silence. <laughs> yeah. We like things to move at a certain speed, totally. right? Mystery. Well, we got to throw that out because mm. that we can't get answers that way. Totally. Um, and Andrew Root leans a lot in mm-hmm. into this and in encountering a God that is God.
0: Yes, yes. I, I think th- there is a need for us to be aware of how unusual God is mm. and how unusual trust in God is. Mm-hmm. So I, I think what we often do, and I wonder, we could probably talk about why we do this, but we like the idea of believing in God as long as it doesn't mess up our kind of sanitized ways of doing things. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I kind of think is fascinating, that you arrive in Acts 4, with this sort of idyllic everybody was in one mind there was no needy mm-hmm. then you get ananias uh, ananias and sapphira and then all of a sudden there's a bit of persecution kicks up and mm-hmm. and the text that you're going to lean into next week you see this development that things are getting kind of complex with yeah. the apostles and and uh, again i've got this line that we've talked about a lot that the holy spirit is disrupting presence mm-hmm. and and i think we just don't like that and 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 I don't think we're often willing, at least I know I'm often not willing in my own life, to think through the depths of the disruption. That am I willing with disruption at a worldview level? That, you know, me, somebody that spent a lot of years in post-secondary education, that has a lot of degrees, am I also going to genuinely confess that? You know, I actually do think the God of the universe speaks to humans, Mm -hmm. guides humans, allows humans to hear his spirit. You know, do I actually believe the stories of Acts are stories that are true. Does the Holy Spirit fill people, guide people, heal people? And I don't know that there's an answer to that other than it's kind of up to you as to whether you're willing to believe that. But if you do believe it, then believe it, you know, and actually Mm -hmm. live as if maybe God is speaking to you and guiding you. Does
1: that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's and I think we could continue to go on for but, <laughs> a while. But I've already stolen enough from <laughs> no, your sermon okay. over the last, over that's the true. last. <laughs> cut, I'm, cut.
0: I'm not, I'm not taking any more from you. <laughs> but I love that. I mean, I, I do think those two things that I'm, I'm wondering about. I talked a little bit in my sermon on Sunday about the need to tell the truth. Yeah. Um, And so there's also a question to reflect on when it comes to discernment. Is, is the idea that a God... Is wanting to encounter us. If we think that's true, then then let's lean into that being true. But what I, I, there's a beautiful tension being held here, perhaps, with this story. That does God speak to us? Uh, do we believe that's true? And if we do believe that's true, let's not try and pretend or manufacture the appearance of knowing how that works. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got there's this constant warning from Ananias and Sapphira, which is, don't pretend. Right. Let God be true, and then be true yourself. Because mm. what the church doesn't need, and or go the world doesn't need, is Christians pretending or playing at the transformation of God in their lives.
1: Yeah, and I think that is so important because I think that I know myself. Right, mm. I, that's an important question just for me on a mm. daily basis. To go, do I actually believe this is true? Am I? Mm. Am I? operating in a way that says that I actually believe that yes. this is true. Yes. And and I do think that's, that's
0: a challenge. I think that's a challenge for Christian leaders today. I, mm-hmm. uh, You know, there was an era, perhaps, in, in church history where, and as we're going to see in Acts chapter 5, y- you were being persecuted for this. There's parts of the world where you're still being persecuted yeah. for this. In the English-speaking world... You know being a pastor has become a good gig in some yeah. contexts, and so there's a motivation therefore for people to to turn it into something other than than what it is and right. I think whenever something becomes very safe and comfortable, you have to be careful of the fact that it will then draw people to it who are attracted to the safety and the, and the comfort of yeah. it um, and i and I have found myself reflecting from time to time if if some of the the fallout that we're seeing in the church at the moment is that this has become a good gig, and therefore, yeah. going back to what I was saying yesterday, once you're on a path of success, it's very easy to put aside the gifts and the callings that you're actually pursuing and just try and preserve success. Um, and I think that that can be, you know, well, two things in that. That can lead you into some dark places, Yeah. but also success seems to bring power and all sorts of other you know, broken features.
1: Yeah, and I think to your point earlier on when we started talking was sort of about some of the stuff happening within Mm. churches, God unveiling and Mm. uncovering things. And I think that all kind of goes together, Mm. right? And and is a really important warning to be heeded, I think, Mm. of where does this take us when when we are so used to safety when we're so used to the comfort when we're Mm -hmm. so used to um the look of success Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. us um i think that that drowns out Mm -hmm, the holy mm -hmm. spirit right i think we can so easily turn ourselves off from that and go well that interrupts Mm-hmm. right? Like you said, the Holy Spirit interrupts. Well, that's going to interrupt my success. That's going to yes. interrupt what I'm doing. And, yes. and look, I'm doing really great God work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it can't be that this needs, that this could be disrupted. It yes. can't be the work of the Holy Spirit because look, at I'm working in a church and I'm doing all these things for God. Mm-hmm. Um, And I find pastorally, it was one of the biggest surprises in my life mm-hmm. was working in a church and not understanding how much more intentionally I'm going to have to focus on Mm -hmm. this is about God, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. just how easy it is to get swept into the to-do list, the things that have to be done because we're doing them for God Mm -hmm. um, and really lose that discernment piece, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the ability to understand and hear because it becomes so noisy.
0: Totally, Uh, yeah. I mean, I think anyone who has been involved in church work would resonate with what you're saying there, that the, the, the kind of myth is, Oh, it must be really easy to have a good spiritual life when you work in church. Um, But actually there's a level of which it's always hard to, to keep these things at the top, whether you work in a church or don't work in a church, because there's, there's almost a level they're not supposed to be natural. They're, they're things that you work at that you you know, you will always try and promote yourself. Mm-hmm. You will always try and put on a face. You will always try and pursue success. And that's why I think it's interesting that the core of Christianity is a cross. Mm-hmm. The Savior was crucified. It's it's humiliating. It's failure. It's, it's in no way is it a victory. And it's as if the cross not only saves us, but reminds us that Jesus could have picked anywhere to be But this is the path that he chose. And I think if we as Jesus followers don't kind of almost put that image in front of ourselves every day, you do get caught up into the, well, (laughs) the the pursuit of success in whatever form you think it's in. Mm -hmm. So... Why don't we leave it there, and sure. uh, we will uh, we'll see you on Sunday, <laughs> and uh, and hopefully in between now and then nobody else will steal uh, <laughs> sermon ideas from you. But uh, you know, you what well, you have the point though. That I think Phil is teaching the week after you, so you can uh, you can always steal some ideas from Phil and preach them before sure, he gets I up there. Phil,
1: a message and be like, hey, just wondering what you're planning. It's
0: <laughs> <laughs> <That's> brilliant. <laughs>